Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new podcast with me, Jordan and Jack uh, from The Keepers. With Lockdown 2.0, we wanted to stay in touch with everyone and do whatever we can to make this lockdown slightly more bearable. Now, we didn't want to do Zoom quizzes or live stream acoustic sessions because, well, as I said, we wanted to make this lockdown more bearable. So we thought that we would put together a podcast and we're going to talk about and recommend albums we love. So welcome to Record Club with The Keepers. In this series, Jack and I are going to recommend three albums each, a compilation each, and a release from an up-and-coming act. We're not going to go into stuff like, you know, Sgt. Pepper's Nevermind the Bollocks or the Stone Roses debut, because we all know why that's fantastic, and you've heard them a million times, and there's no point in us talking about it. The aim of this is to give you all something new to try, uh... You know, just to see if it will kind of help you out. You might find something you love. You might think it's rubbish. But anyway, Jack, how are you? I'm well. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you finding lockdown? Uh, you know, it's uh, frustrating, but um, it's one of them things, isn't it? Still alive, still healthy. Mr. Music more than anything. Mr. Band and um, the social aspects. How about yourself? Yeah, good. All, all the same. But I wouldn't probably say healthy. No, not healthy. Maybe that was a mistake. Um... Uh, yeah, no, that's the health kick's not really happened, does it, that we promised ourselves? Yeah, no, last, uh, what was it, last month we said that, you know, we were going to uh, quit smoking, we were going to cut down on booze and go running. I'll be honest, I've done none of that. I, no, I did I, well at first, but not now. Yeah, you did quite well for a week. I've, I've just uh, gone the opposite way and done more of it all. Except the running, I've done none of that. Oh, no, same. But you know what I have done, though? What have you done? I've grown a moustache again. Have you? Excellent news. That was really good the first lockdown, so keep that up. Yeah, we'll keep that coming back. It will be uh, here for as long as the virus is. Well, I, I like the moustache, but let's just hope that doesn't stick around too long, then. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's let's <laughs> keep the moustache, but maybe not the uh, not the pandemic. Not the virus. Maybe it's not just every virus. time I don't shave, the virus comes it's back. comes back, yeah. So you, you just have to shave. More. Shave for the sake of humanity. <laughs> yeah, that's the last 5% of the virus they need, uh, the, uh, vaccine they need. That's it. Right, so would you like to start us off with an album? Yes, let me kick us off then for um, our first of our podcast. So the first album I've chosen from 2008 is an album called Stop, Drop and Roll by a band called the Foxborough Hot Tubs. Um, Foxborough Hot Tubs consists, basically, it's Green Day as a side project. A lot of people know I'm a big fan of Green Day. We know you are too, Jordan. And I thought oh, yes. this was a slightly more interesting choice than a Green Day album, of which I love them all. I thought this, uh, loved this too, and I thought this would be a more interesting selection. So, a fantastic piece of rock and roll from 2008. Played much more in the style of a 60s garage um, feel than anything Green Day do in their more punk and more modern day alternative rock feel so a different thing for them entirely brilliant retro vibes to the record really cool artwork with some funky colours that stand out and a really cool looking um, uh, um, logo and stuff for the band as well which definitely gives it a, a feel straight out of the packet um, starts off with a great song Stop, Drop and Roll title track brilliant fast punchy intro lyrics for a song 16 and a son of a bitch what more do you want from a rock and roll record to kick you off brilliant that's brilliant yeah, brilliant i know i don't know what it means i don't know what he's referring to but i thought you know what it sounds good let's have that you know why not um brilliant um 
guitar intro, simple, effective, couple of chord sequence, very kink sounding, um, then Trey Call with a massive drum fill as we kick into the song, and a big punch in the ribs as everyone kicks in, and um, the song goes from there. Brilliant number, really enjoy that. The guitar work, very Gretsch for a Vox or a Fender type sound, which we know we love with the Gretsches. We normally oh, have Vox yes, amps do. ourselves, don't we? We're obviously a big fan of that. And doing it for rock and roll, why not? Absolutely works. I think that was the first single off the album as well. Really good way to kick it off. Um, really good guitar work, which I believe the solo is Jason White as opposed to Billy, who I don't believe plays any guitar on this album. I believe it's all Jason, the Green Day touring guitarist, and a guy, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but it was in a band called Prima Donna, still is in a band called Prima Donna, who do some cool work as well, which worth looking up. I think you'd enjoy that as well, Jordan, to be fair. Okay. Um, definitely more in that 60s vibe again. Um, another hit, another one of the singles off the album, track two, Mother Mary. Much more dancey number, um, quite a, a jumpy bass line. You can definitely move around more to this and get a groove on. Um, quite a romantic feel to the lyrics in that it's more about eloping with someone or maybe more of a one-night stand type feel and sort of letting your heart take you away for that small period of time with that person, if that makes more sense. Um, definitely a crazy and impulsive feel to the lyrics, though. Um, maybe a slightly um, rhythm and blues or soul vibe to it with the danciness of it. Not that it is, but certain elements of it, I think, are taken from that to try and get people moving. Northern soul, maybe. Um, okay. It's quite cool. Yeah, definitely adds a characteristic to the song that makes it that dancey number with the 60s garage influences on it, too. Really cool. Excellent. Really cool. A um, couple of other hits off the album, I would say. A song called She's a Saint, Not a Celebrity, which is towards the end of side one, which is more of a pop-rocky feel rather than the 60s garage thing, which is nice. Um, quite a hopeful feel to the song. Um, and uh, just really quite nice jangly guitar sound. Um, not, not very Johnny Marr in the way it's played, but the sound... And the tone to it definitely has that more of that vibe to it, as opposed to the Kinks sort of power chord punchy riffs, if you know what I mean with that one. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah, is yeah. really cool, really, really cool. And then side two kicks off with a song called Sally, which again, really simple um, 60s vibey song, garagey, um, but it has like a really nice keyboard sort of squealing over the top of it, which adds a really cool, slightly eerie vibe. It sounds like they've got it tuned slightly differently to the rest of the instrument, so it's not... You know what I mean? When it's not quite what you tune to 440, it's tuned slightly off. So that's a really cool little technique I think they've used on the back side of that, of that track, which is cool. And then you've got some other songs on there. There's a song called The Pedestrian, which again, in the same vein as She's a Saint, Not a Celebrity, really quite um, poppy, um, pop-rocky sort of vibe to it. Again, bright, jangly sound to the guitars. Really cool solo, which follows the melody but um, sort of takes it in a different direction, which I really like with a solo. I like a simple solo that takes a melody, which is always really cool, but then when it does something different with the melody too, just adds a whole new vibe to that that sound of it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's really really cool. I think that's like we, we sort of maybe should be doing more of ourselves, Jordan. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I can't really think of anything. Well, well, bearing in mind most of the new songs that actually I don't really play guitar at all on, so uh, that's, that's a you job, that's, that's that a is. Me, that's a me problem, not a you problem. <laughs> Uh, they're, all, they're all normally you problems, so it's nice that I've got a problem now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just the one issue. Yeah. Just the one issue. That's, that's the only thing I would say that's wrong with our band. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there are the many bollocks. things. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of highlights for me on the back of this album. Two of the best songs on it are the two to wrap it up. There's a song called Dark Side of the Night, and the final track is Pieces of Truth. 
Dark Side of the Night is uh, interestingly recorded on a four track, which you don't hear about many of those anymore and probably didn't in 2008 either, which definitely gives it a certain characteristic to it, if you know what I mean. You're, I you're more into the recording side of things than I am. I think there's a certain warmth um, that we get from that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think really cool. Definitely a, a technique that's more specialised as well. I don't think many people would be able to do that and do it well maybe like we can record ourselves at home jordan but it tends to be through modern ipads and modern technology which um it was interesting that they didn't do it off that and it definitely gives it a different feel it's a much slower song almost a ballad in a way played much simply with an acoustic guitar and there is a woodwind instrument on there that i unfortunately i'm not intelligent enough about woodwind instruments to be able to name <laughs> that adds a nice melody to it but it gives it a real feel of sort of a dark, you could take that out for a walk in the, in the dark in winter and feel right at home listening to that song. And it's really nice, to be fair. I love that. And then the final song, totally different, Balls to the Walls, Rock and Roll. And it's fantastic. You've even got a sax solo in this one. And who doesn't love a saxophone solo? Uh, Steve doesn't love a saxophone solo. Steve but... doesn't. And I knew you'd say that. And Steve, we need a saxophone solo, mate. And I'm going to show you this song and you'll go, yeah, all right, write the song. And I'll write the song for it, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do love a, a good sax solo me too me too especially in a good upbeat rock and roll number can't beat that a winning combination no you're absolutely right I mean this sounds right up my street I can't believe you've not recommended this to me early you know I love Green Day and you also know I love my 60s garage rock I know I've let the side down to be fair I'd love to say that I was just saving it for this podcast but really it's just me being poor and an awful friend <laughs> Well, but, I'm certainly going to listen to this. Yeah, you absolutely should, mate. You absolutely should. Everyone should be checking out if they dig any of that kind of Beatlesy, Kinksy kind of 60s sound, Rolling Stones type stuff. Anyone who likes that, you'll enjoy this too. Brilliant. So what have you got for us, Jordan? What's your first pick of the night? Right, so the first album I want to talk to you about is uh, called I Never Learn, and it's by Licky Lee. Okay, interesting. Not heard of this. Right, okay, well, this album, to me, it's a masterpiece. It's absolutely perfection. I'll go into that a little bit. But Licky Lee, so she is from uh, Sweden, and that kind of draws me in, because anything out of Scandinavia at all, I'm I'm fascinated with. I don't know why, Mm. uh, but I just find the music that they kind of uh, come out with, just these magical lands, I I think (laughs) it's absolutely fantastic. But, you know, I kind of feel as if... um, that the album, as a whole, like not just this particular one, like just albums everywhere, it's it's a dying art form. Do you know what I mean? Uh, agreed. Yeah, yeah. I think doing a album as a whole piece of art, rather than just a mix of songs here and there and a couple of singles, is something not done enough anymore. And it is an art, and I think it's special when it happens. No, you're absolutely right. I feel as if I mean I like my albums to be like a good book. You know, you need yeah. this sort of a journey. Uh, yes. As opposed to maybe like a compilation of sort of poems or, you know, even like a good film. You know, you kind of want to go on a journey and then you want to feel one thing at the start and you want to feel, you know, like a good book. You know, when you kind of want to go, I want to read that again. Yes, and absolutely. you get that with this album. You, she, you know, Licky Lee, she just takes you on a incredibly painful and heartaching journey. Um so from what I've read, so when this came out, so about 2014-ish, so she's probably in a similar age to what we would have been uh, okay, or, yeah. or what we are. So sort of mid mid, mid to late 20s. Um, actually, no, sorry, I'm early 20s. You're, yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're not you're quite late... in mid 20s yet and I'm definitely my late 20s. <laughs> <laughs> so she's in between us two. 
And I think she described it um, as the worst breakup of her life. And you know what you can tell, not only just in the lyrics, uh, but in her voice. Uh, As a singer, and as you know from having to sit in countless vocal recording sessions with me, you know, the note, singing in tune and getting the notes and doing a few big bits and a few small bits, I mean, that's only half the job. You just, it's easy to play guitar expressively, I find. Singing and getting what you're trying to portray, that's hard. But, you know, you can sort of hear this probably vulnerability and almost like a little quiver uh, in her voice a lot of the tracks, you know. Getting emotion across. It is. It's it's gripping. It's a yeah. full on like drama performance. Like Sounds musically speaking. So she's influenced by the likes of Neil Young, okay. The Beatles, Leonard Cohen, and the Velvet Underground. But it's kind of dressed up in this sort of dreamy, art poppy kind of production. So you know I'm a big lover of Bjork. I do, I do. So I'd say is if you like Bjork or you find her a bit weird you would like Nikki Lee okay just to say I'll definitely be looking up myself as well I mean I don't even know where to begin uh, so I'll start with the beginning so the album starts with the song I Never Learn that could be straight off of All Things Must Pass by George Harrison oh okay interesting so sort of a modernised Phil Spector sort of sound 12 string mm. acoustics Mellotrons lots of reverb and it it just sets the, the tone for the album perfectly. And, you know, like going back to the journey. So this is the start of the breakup. How many times have we had a breakup where we kind of go, right, that's it. I never learn. Woe is me. You know, we've everyone's been there. We all have. Universal. So it, yeah, it is absolutely universal. I don't think anyone's not experienced some sort of um, heartbreak. Um, and, you know, she's like, vocally, she's not holding anything back. That's all. And she's not kind of doing like this sort of X Factor big sort of style of the voice going all over the shop. It's just, it's just in the performance. I don't know how to describe it. No one can describe it. But we all Other, know otherworldly. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Otherworldly. Sort of a bit like kind of Kate Bush. Yeah, Ooh, Kate Bush. It's, okay, yeah. That's the way I sort of, um, sort of describe it as. Then you have tracks like Gunshot. Um, and. To me, that could be like a modern Venus and Furs by the Velvet Underground. Okay, okay, yeah, cool. I like you know, the Velvet so that... Underground sounding influence. We obviously like the Velvet Underground ourselves, so that's really quite cool. You know, it, I mean, this is absolutely fantastic. And the track, another track on there is Never Gonna Love Again. That is the best breakup record of all time, I think. It kind of empowers you with misery. I like that. I like the sound of that. You know, I think, you know, what I love most about this album is that it doesn't have a happy ending. Yeah, I think, it's, you know, there's something artistic about having that just total despair and maybe it shouldn't end happily. You know, not everything ends happily ever after. I think there's something artistic about having things end badly, isn't there? That we all yeah. as artists quite enjoy in a way, in a quite sadistic we, way. So that does sound like an yeah. interesting... Because I think a lot of things do still end quite nicely, but to hear it end sadly is sometimes the drama we all need and, lo- and want. It's more real, you know. You know, mm. you don't put on an, a, an album specifically designed for a breakup, where at the beginning of that album you're going to be you're in misery, and then in forty minutes you're not going to be over it. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you know, I'd love to. I mean, that would be a superpower. But that like, would be the incredible. ending song, it's never going to happen, and it shouldn't happen. No, it shouldn't. It should not do. And again, 
but that kind of draws you into her. It's kind of going, well, did she get the happy ending? Like, is she happy mm. now? Is she married? Has she got children? Like, what's going on here? So you, that what kind of draws you back to the next one. Uh, but the, like, the ending song is Sleeping Alone, um, where I think she's singing, like, will I ever get used to sleeping alone without you? Blah, blah. And it's just like, oh, God, that... Yeah. Breaks your that heart, heart. It breaks your heart. You just kind of go, mm. oh, no, just... I, I want to give you a big hug. Oh. It's like that. It sounds like you get sold on her story quite well, which I think is interesting. Yeah. And you become invested in her as a person as well as the artist. You're absolutely right. And, yeah, I just... Again, you it, kind of get that. You know, you, you're still searching for that piece after the breakup, you know, so it, it's almost like a, a grieving album. But I can't recommend this highly enough, so I never learned by Licky Lee. I never learned by Licky Lee. Well, it sounds interesting. sounds like a good one. sounds very personal, which I like the idea of. That's definitely on my list that I'll be getting you to write all these down for me and send me all the Spotify links for this, which absolutely. maybe we'll, we'll be able to link somewhere when we put this up as well for everyone. I think we will indeed. So, go on. What is your second album for me? My second album is from 1978. It's called This Year's Model by Elvis Costello. Oh, classic. I, I, I've never mentioned him to you before, as I hadn't with the Fox Bar Hot Tubs, but I love Elvis Costello. His first few albums are fantastic. Um, the obvious one is My Aim Is True, which I do think is a good album, but this, for me, is a better album still. Um, okay. I think it's fantastic. It's got some really poppy tunes on it. I just think it's brilliant. Um, the, his, his, his lyric writing is fantastic. Second to none. Yeah, absolutely. He might not be technically the best singer of all time, but what he says in his lyrics, I think, is always pretty spot on and pretty well well put. Well, he, he doesn't. He, he's obviously quite a well-educated bloke, and I think he comes across like that, even when he's being poppy and quite simple. And I really like mm. that about him. Um, first song it for me is possibly my favourite of his Costello song called No Action. And it's a brilliant song. And I think if anyone bigger than him, uh, not that he's not big, but someone really in the pop arena had released it, I reckon it would have been a massive hit. I genuinely do. And it's so catchy. Uh, the opening lyrics, I don't want to miss you, I don't want to touch. And then it kicks in with this little drum fill into the guitars, which with Elvis Costello are always quite bright, jangly with that. Um, he's got a jag, hasn't he? No, he's got a jazz uh, master even. Your jazz master, yeah. Uh, with the bright, jangly Fender jazz master coming in, but still quite um, punchy. There's something that's got that new wave feel about him, even though he's got loads of different elements to his music. He's obviously really into his... Um, I think he's into his country music and stuff as well, isn't he? An old rock and roll, from what yeah. I understand. But he's always he was always there with that new wave guitar sound, which I think he nailed with the jangly, chorusy type guitars, which I think are brilliant on this song in particular. And I think there's some brilliant harmonies on the chorus. The songs, it seems to be about... Um, um, a breakup of some description and um, the chorus has these harmonies which just sound really longing like you want to get back together maybe it's a bad idea and those harmonies just hit notes that alongside his vocals make you sort of have that feeling yourself which I think is brilliant um, and a quality track to open an album on um, brilliant bit of pop writing as far as I'm concerned a um, couple of other highlights I've put from the album. Actually, one thing I would say about the album is the artwork, having pulled the record out the other day for the first time in a little while, is particularly bland. That's uh, the only criticism I have of this album. <laughs> All very brown. <laughs> um, looking at it now. It's a cool picture of him on the front. But, um, yeah, it's all very brown and dark shades of orange. But um, quite cool and quite retro looking. That, 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 that was a little observation of mine on the artwork, which is pointless. 
Um, another couple of tracks I love off the album, Pump It Up, which I think must be one of his more well-known yeah. songs. Uh, was Pump It Up a hit? Um, yeah, it must have I mean, been. Absolutely it was a single at, at the very least, and I, I believe it did well. So it's probably one of the more well-known tracks on this particular album, and maybe one of his more well-known tracks. Um, obviously, aside from probably Alison being the obvious one that everyone knows off um, My Aim Is True, which yep. is obviously a fantastic song, but this I would say is up there. And I think it's a brilliant pop song, to be fair. Really cool little uh, melody lines through it with that the um, the melody line on the guitar and I believe an organ that goes down 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 yeah and everyone yeah. knows that and I think it's, I think it is a brilliant little pop song fast vocal delivery on the on the verses though which uh, it's not rap but I feel like there's a certain element to it of rap do you know what I mean it was almost Probably he like doesn't really punk. sing. Yeah, he doesn't really sing the verse. The chorus he sings and it's really catchy, but the verses in it, I sort of feel like there's some some sort of odd punk delivery to it. But almost, he doesn't really have a melody either. It's almost a slight melody to it, and there's almost maybe a rap sort of thing going on with a punky edge. I don't know. Yeah, it's a difficult one to describe. I was listening to it the other day, and I thought, yeah, it's just it's a it's a good delivery, and it works for the song so well. But actually, it's an odd one. I've not really heard. Anyone deliver songs very much like that? Very well, often. maybe it's a bit like kind of like Park Life. Yeah, I think actually that's a very good comparison for it. You know, it's not Cockney it's not rambling. sung. Yeah, but it's almost rambled out, sort of without too much thought of a of a melody. But there is a beat to it, like eight pints of lager yeah. rambling. Yeah, exactly that. And I think he sort of catches a bit of that in this. But there is a melody to it, which I, and I think it's a brilliant, brilliant little song. If you're going to write a hit, why not write a good one like he does? And I think it's fantastic. Um, another song I'd highlight is called Little Triggers on there, which is much more of a ballad, very um, much piano-driven, but it does have a really nice, lovely tremolo guitar, very much um, in the back of the track, which actually I find the guitar in this album does take a back seat through a lot of the album. It's quite driven by the drums, the bass, and then organs and pianos really taking over. And his guitar is often used just as a backup instrument on a lot of these songs, rather than with the music I generally like. You, you'll agree with being Green Day and the Sex was a big influence. I normally love a big driven guitar anthem yeah you do guitar but this i think it definitely takes more of a back seat and that's it may be strange for me but i think he just delivers the song so well i mean there is guitar there on all these tracks but especially on little triggers it really is backing up the piano and it does it lovely with a bit of um treble effect on the on the guitar really really nice um definitely a standout one for me on that one uh another one i would have as a highlight um living in paradise the guitar sort of is much more clear on that one the pre-chorus on there is fantastic taking not a slow verse but it re definitely ramps up into the chorus and it ramps back down straight after it's really really nicely very well written piece of songwriting is just brilliant on that one i think elvis costello everyone would agree is a great songwriter even when he's not doing hits there's something to be said for what yeah. he does no, yeah, um, right. my, my favorite song on the album there is a song called lip service which ironically enough years ago i ripped off you remember when i was in a band called the reserves i ripped this off massively <laughs> uh with the guitar line at the start and i might actually dig that out jordan and we can then um, you'll have to rewrite all the words because i was only about 18 when i wrote them and they're embarrassingly 
boring now, but um, I might bring you that guitar line. That, and I think the guitar line on Lip Service that I ripped off is, is really, really cool. It's, the, it's probably the most guitar-driven song on the album, with the exception of Radio Radio <coughs> at the end. Um, great chorus, really nice harmonies again. I don't know the members that were playing with him on this band, but the harmonies throughout this album are fantastic, really well done. Um, almost Billy Joel-esque, I would say, in a, in a weird way. <laughs> so was this Elvis Costello and the attractions, or was this just Elvis Costello by himself? Uh, I believe it's Elvis Costello and the attractions, but the album actually just says Elvis Costello, but I believe it was the attractions as well, but I might be wrong. So it's a bit like when like Rod Stewart like joined the Faces, yeah. and then the yeah. Faces became Rod Stewart. Yeah, so that I can't confirm, but I believe it was Elvis Costello and the attractions. I do love Elvis but Costello. Don't, but don't count me down. Don't, don't quote me on that. Because <laughs> everyone's going to be searching Elvis Costello and the attractions. Like it's, This is the issue with streaming, because if you don't get it exactly right, I know it won't, uh, won't bring it up. Well, it does just say Elvis Costello on the vinyl I have here. But um, interesting thing with my vinyl, actually, Radio Radio, if you stream the song, which is one of my favourite Elvis Costello songs as well, and I think that was a hit as well, one of his more well-known ones again, isn't on my vinyl copy, but if you stream it, it is on it. Um, and I think that's a brilliant Elvis Costello song as well, Radio Radio. Yeah. But I'm not sure if it's on the album or if it's just on remastered versions or something I've got online. I don't know, but a brilliant song. Uh, one of my favourite songs on this album, though, called Night Rally. Um, the song I mentioned off, of the Foxborough Hot Tubs one, um, Peter, Dark Side of the Night, it's definitely got an echo to that in that they're both quite similar songs, very slow, um, well, not very slow, but slower, more ballady. This is just on Night Rally on this album. It's just an acoustic guitar, which he delivers the lyrics so brilliantly, and it's, it sort of seems to be about the world almost beating you down and putting you in a place, if you know what I mean, which yeah. I've always really liked. Coming from a small town like I do, I've always liked to play the um, play the play the idiot and sort of pretend that I'm beaten down by the world and actually I'm not very middle class. <laughs> but I've always liked that about the sort of Green Day vibe and uh, sort of beat up myself here saying all this. But um, yeah, and there's some really good lines in that song and I think it's brilliant. And then if you do stream the song, Radio Radio is the final song on it. And I think that's a brilliant brilliant tune again absolutely fantastic yeah um, brilliant piece of pop music um very catchy and i think everyone's had that moment you know the first lyrics on the line of, of this song or something like i was tuning in the shine of my light night dial or something about tuning this radio back in the day and okay i never had to tune a radio but we all had those times when we first discovered our favorite bands and we just want to listen to it all the time whether mum and dad were trying to put us to bed or not whatever and you just try and find a way to hear your favorite song or whatever and i think that really resonates still with me so a brilliant album definitely worth looking up oh brilliant i love you know it's great i i'm really glad you mentioned elvis costello because i really there's not much he's done that i don't love like radio no, radio brilliant. that might be in terms of like his more rocky numbers yeah that's probably my favorite but i mean just what yeah, a fantastic singer and songwriter like i like like every day i write the book as well I, like that's yeah, my I favorite think he, i think he goes he goes under the radar as a great songwriter he's not like listed in the names of great songwriters as much as some but i think he's one of those people that should be and i'll admit like although i've picked this and it is one of my favorite albums i don't put it on all the time it's not like it's on constant rotation for me but either this or my aim is true i'll put on it and i'll think yeah that that is like brilliant but yeah i think he deserves more credit than he gets at times i think yeah but it's, it's interesting that you've mentioned that though because 
sometimes your favorite albums you don't need to put on all the time. Like mm. I can't, I Agreed. can honestly say, I can't remember the last time that I put on Revolver. I can't remember the last no. time I put on Nevermind the Bollocks or anything like that. Just because you know, no, we've, you just, you just know, you know what's on them, and you probably have done them to death already. At this point, in where we are in our lives, at what, what, how, what are you now, 23? 22. 22 still, oh, giving your age away there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, well, maybe where, once you grow up and you'll get past the stage of you first listen to those albums and you do them to death when you first hear them because they are brilliant, mm-hmm. I think you get to a point where your favourite albums eventually are still your favourite albums, but because you've heard it so much, because it is your favourite, you actually don't put it on all the time. And I'd agree with you on that one. I think it's still brilliant, though. It's always just playing in your head. Exactly, you can always hear it in your head all day, every day, in a way, yeah. It's like I'd breathing. On that. It's just like yeah, breathing, like, you don't think that you're doing exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. But everyone could sing every line to Sergeant Pepper's probably in their sleep if they're really into the Beatles and that's your thing. But yeah. So you're probably not going to put it on all the time. But that's my second one. Um, what have you picked as your number two, Jordan? Right, well, again, slightly left field. Oh, like it. So the second album that you should listen to and everyone at home, uh, this is... Uh, in the Sm- Small Wee Hours by Frank Sinatra. Ah, oh, now you mentioned to me the, this the other week I have. In, a, in a little message, as a, and I haven't listened to it yet, I have to be honest, so um, I will be putting it on, but haven't done yet. Well, don't and put it on is, just yet. I think, I think this is a left-field selection as well, definitely for us. I think this is something that, if people have listened to The Keepers and know us, you'd be surprised we're picking this one the most out of all the ones we've heard so far, for sure. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, anyone who's just kind of thinking, oh, I must give that a go, because everyone loves Frank Sinatra. But of course, yeah, yeah. No one, I don't think I know anyone who's actually listened to a Sinatra record in full. And I'm no. not talking a greatest hits as Sinatra album. But this album yeah, here... Yeah, a proper album. You cannot listen to it in the day. The earliest you should play this is at around 11 o'clock at night. Uh, sit in your armchair. Dim the lights. Get yourself a scotch, light a fag. That Ar- armchair, is... armchair not required. I don't know if everyone has one, but it's suggested. It's yeah. I mean, yeah. The armchair <laughs> it does heighten the listening experience, you know. But you <laughs> you need to be sat down. I think that's the way to be doing it. You know, you can't have anything on in the background. It's just a case of again, you sit down, listen to the record from start to finish, uh, yeah. and and again, particularly you do need a scotch or a whiskey, yeah, or some sort of drink. spirit. Yeah, you know. Of uh, some description. I mean, I love this album. I really do. Like, so this is actually regarded to be the first ever concept record. Yeah, and this I didn't know until you mentioned it in your text every week. I don't think that's a well-known fact, but probably yeah. should be. I mean, you know, it's probably going to be quite hard to say, well, what was the first concept record? Because this came out in 1955. So this is still, relatively speaking, the Dark Ages. So rock and roll yeah. still wasn't, you know, wasn't quite a thing as oh, of yet. Right, yeah. So, you know, you know, record sales, they just were, you know, the albums were for mum and dad. You know, the, the 45, they were, they were for the kids. Do you know what I mean? That's true. So, I mean, this album, it tells the story of, like, pining for a lost love, failed relationship. Hang on a minute, is there a theme going on here? I think, I, think, I think there's a lot of heartbreak going on on your side of the uh, I love the, the misery. He's <laughs> you know? like, welcome to the dark side of the podcast. <laughs> I I'll am t- your host. I'll, just, I'll keep throwing the nice rock and roll and the uh, poppy numbers out. You just bring the mood right down, Jordan. <laughs> uh, it's just like a keeper's gig. <laughs> just like a keeper's gig. Jack's all bubbly and happy and Jordan's going to make you miserable. <laughs> oh, yes. It's like, it's like Morrissey and Ma. That's what we are. 
We'll do that. I like that little comparison. I've not had that one about us yet, but we'll take that. We'll take that, you know, quote that there. Um, but, you know, I think we've all been there, you know, up past midnight, you've probably had a bit too much to drink and you're lighting your fifth cigarette within the hour and you're just wondering where the hell has it all gone wrong? I, th- I think you've just described lockdown for my 99% of the population. Oh, yeah, you know, this was in March, this was, <laughs> yeah. you know, regardless if you break it, you know, but we've all been there. I mean, this is just the perfect late night. Well, well, it's, no, it's the early morning. It's an early morning. Mm. It's an early morning album, you know, just when you can't kind of sleep. So, you know, this is for that. Like, you've got songs. Like, this, you've got a song that's called Glad to be Unhappy. Let that I think that's a brilliant title. That is, or, 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 like, an awful sounding thing, but, like, I think that's artistically fantastic. I mean, ever an oxymoron if ever I heard one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's... And that kind of goes into about, like, you know, like, when you've had your breakup, and it's all very sad. But then he said, well, actually, there's a little bit of a pleasure with kind of being that miserable it's a pleasure to be that unhappy because you've lost the love because it means that you really <laughs> love them and you're like yeah i mean this was 1955 this was and the lyrics oh. say my mental state is all a jumble and only mm. kind of just now in terms of stuff like mental health that it's acceptable to talk about 1955 that's what it yeah, was you you didn't say things like that back then unless you were artistic and you know you were going to be put into your own little category weren't you back then whereas obviously as you say nowadays with how we develop with mental health and how we understand people is a totally different ball game so i think to say something and be like that in 1955 is quite punk yeah no yeah exactly right and i think sinatra would have been like in his mid-40s by the time this came out which oh, is hell, even it? yeah so you know so i think his career had taken a bit of a downturn at this sort of point because i mm. think he'd been divorced twice by this point uh, just constant kind of failed relationships, and his yeah, his career kind of went down the pan. So this was like his comeback record, if you like, um, you know, which is yeah. really really because you know we just think of Sinatra. He was just always he, he was just always, he's always just there, you know. He's, he's always there, and I think it's like you said at the start. A lot of people know him, like I spoke, and I would agree that I only know him for the big hits and the songs that everyone knows. I've never put on a Sinatra album, and this is the one I think that everyone should. Should listen to. There's other songs as well. Like, again, similar to sort of Licky Lee, you're mm. not, you're going through the journey of the breakup. Like, there's one song that says, uh, well, what's it called? It's called, oh, God, where's it gone? Like, fifth of the day, uh, Deep to Dream. No, it's not, I Get Along Without You. That oh, okay, is, yeah. you know, it, it, so he's kind of saying, oh, I'm fine without you. Until it rains, yeah. then I quite miss you. But apart from that, I'm yeah. fine. Or apart from in spring. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. Or, uh, There's when those I hear moments your name. Where, where a certain thing will happen and it'll be, oh, I miss you. And you suddenly realise it because of the weather or a certain thing has happened that Feel reminds you. Or sound, yeah. It's exactly yeah. that. And, you know, what I love most about this record as well, they recorded it in the small wee hours of the morning. They would start the sessions oh. at about sort of 10 o'clock at night. They kind of go on till about 2, 3, 4 in the morning to get the vibe. And you can oh, get that. You know, you you are getting the vibe that, you know, you it's being played in like the living room and it's just sort yeah. of right. Just pour yourself a scotch. Just get your head straight. And, you know, I, I love that. I I think even Elvis did that with some like, Are You Lonesome Tonight? He recorded that at like 4 in the morning with the vocals. Just sort of stuff yeah. like that. Those, those little artistic decisions that are going to make the album 
more believable. Uh, yeah, I think it's absolutely great. And again, it doesn't it gives have it that feeling, does it? it gives it that feeling of that moment in time that then translates onto the art itself. Time capsule. Like, the lyrics, they're so real. Mm. They are still as relevant today in 2020 for every single human being in the world, yeah. let alone 1955. This was probably quite... This was probably the, the equivalent of The Cure in 1955. <laughs> I like that little comparison. This, this was the... Uh, I don't right, think anyone's right. ever compared The Cure to him before, but I'm sure he'll be loving that one. Yeah, no, I, I, that's probably what it was. Probably like a lot of people. You know, when Kylie Minogue, she did like an eight, an album in the 80s, like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, after she was doing all her teeny bop. It's probably, yeah. it, it's probably a bit like, what the hell? We can't let this... <laughs> I, I, I really, really don't know. Um, but, you know, I love it, and it, it doesn't have the happy ending, because the last song is called This Love of Mine, and it is the sort of thing as, well, will I ever love mm. again? Sort of, that sort of misery. But it, it's... A masterpiece. No, it's I one of them. You talk about like all these sort of misery, and we're saying about how it's artistic. But the thing with misery and heartbreak and heartache is that actually it is universal. No, and it everyone is. has had it and been through it, which is, I think, why sad albums do resonate really well and often will sell well because everyone understands it. I mean, no one wakes up and says, "Wake up, it's a beautiful morning." The Boo Radleys can <laughs> yeah. fuck off, quite frankly. Yeah. I completely agree with you there. That happens That happens maybe once a year at the best of times. What? Yeah, once a year at the but best of times. We're all too hungover. Even then, I, even now I don't say the words. I just think, well, I'll wake up at some point today. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly that. I'm also saying that this album's got 16 tracks, but it's uh, just under 45 minutes long. Oh, okay. So obviously not long tracks then particularly. It's not long. No, no, I mean it's jazz, but it's not like you sort of skiddy scab ba ba None of that. It's just smooth vocal jazz, you know, mm. what you'd expect from Sinatra. But yeah, that's it. In the small wee hours, Frank Sinatra, listen to that, but not until clo- coming up to midnight. Yeah, well, I'm sure people listening to this will be turning this off just before midnight with our soothing voices to put them to sleep. They can now go and put Frank Sinatra on before they do. Exactly. So, right, what have you got? What's your third album for me? So my third one, I have to say, it's not. It's nowhere near left field. I know we said we wouldn't pick classic albums, but I picked this because it's just it's brilliant. And it is 1973's David Bowie's Aladdin Sane. And I think it's his best album, personally. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think a lot of people say Spiders from Mars is his best of those early albums. But I think this is better. I just think it's a better album. I love Spiders from Mars. It's fantastic. But this is better. And I stick by that. Um, It's definitely a more glammy record, I think than Spiders from Mars, which has got that glam influence, but I feel like he takes it a step further. I think he takes his artistic approach to things another level forward with songs like, I mean, the cover of Let's Spend the Night Together. He's clearly taken artistic license to, to make that the most out there thing possible with some sort of laser sound at the start. And when you think to the Rolling Stones version, which I think is a fantastic pop song and my favourite Rolling Stone song. His version of that, I think that just screams it. You've got stuff like Lady Grinning Soul. I think this is really where he takes his performance on terms of... He's obviously performing on stage with Ziggy Stardust, but the songs on the album are still much more rock and roll. This is what we've got. With this, I think the album becomes a more artistic piece with a bit more licence on it, if you know what I mean. I do do love uh, Aladdin Sane. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, there's definitely that. You've got, I think, if there's anywhere you can hear where Mark Boland and T Rex got their influence from initially, it's this. 
Okay, because interesting. Some of the, I think a lot of the guitar work Mick Ronson does on here is fantastic. One of the greatest guitarists, in my opinion, of all time, and highly underrated. Um, rest in peace, Mark Ronson, an absolute hero. Everything he did is fantastic. But I think his guitar work on here, and I think it's on... Um, uh, I think it's on time, or maybe it's the prettiest star. There's a couple of lead guitar lines, the really, really highly driven guitar tones. And I, at this point in time, what was this? 1973. Three, yeah, 73. Yeah. So you didn't, you had the sort of start of highly driven guitar music, but not really metal. But there's a couple of guitar lines on there that I think are sort of starting to pave the way for those sort of lead guitar metal lights now i'm not a big fan of metal but i appreciate what it is and i think mick ronson has to be given some credit for making guitars quite dirty alongside the likes of pete townsend etc but mm. i think he doesn't get the credit he deserves on that mick ronson is definitely one of the most unsung heroes of music in my personal opinion there's some cracking tracks on this though we all know the album i'm not gonna bang on about it for too long because everyone knows it the art the art the art the 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 album alone yeah it's just is, is absolutely iconic i mean that is more the image of that bowie than i think anyone every Everyone has the lightning down the face. If you're going to dress up as Bowie, that's what that, that is what you do, does, yeah. isn't it? And I think it does represent him really well, and I think it's a great little image. Um, the album's fantastic. I think my favourite song on it, though, I'm going to say is the Gene Genie. Going to put that out there right now. What a piece of music! Glam rock and roll sort of mashup, just kind of dirty and horrible. I think the Cracked Actor as well. Pure filth that song. Just going to put it out there. Look through the lyrics of Cracked Actor. Dirty, absolute <laughs> filth. I love that. Brilliant. And you've got songs like Driving Saturday, though, which sort of edges on being a ballad, arguably. Yeah. And then you've got um, Panic in Detroit. Oh, that's my favourite. That's, that's a great song. And I think that lends heavily from, um, uh, what's the Stone song now? I haven't got the name of in my head at all. We ripped it off. Well, you ripped it off for uh, uh, Hippies and Punks. What's it called? Fat, oh, uh, really Street Fighting Man. Street Fighting Man. I think there's an element of that involved in this in um, Panic in Detroit with the sort of groovy drums at the start and stuff, just kicking it through and sort of slowly driven through. Not a quick song, but nicely driven bit of rock and roll, if you know what I mean on that one. And then you've got like stuff on there like um, Time and the Prettiest Star, which I just take a real sort of a totally different vibe. I don't really know how to describe it. Almost cabaret feel to them. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, is that yeah. the word I'm looking for? I um, think that kind is. of kind of sleazy, but the prettiest star is also quite sweet in terms of the lyrics. I like to think as well. Anyway, I'm not going to bang on about this album because, as I say, we all know it. I just had to mention it because I put it on the other day as a potential candidate for this. Listened to it through and went, "Well, it's for all of us, isn't it?" Yeah. And thought, well, I'm just going to mention it anyway. So it's not a long one that I'm going to bang on about with, like we have the rest of them. But it just had to be brought up, in my opinion. It's funny that you mentioned Mark Ronson and about that sort of guitar sound and all that because, mm. obviously, Deadly Penny, that just came out on the 31st. Yes. We were there in Manchester in the studio and we said, right, we need the Mark Ronson guitar sound. So it was just we like a, a wah pedal that you just sort of leave sort of half yeah, on, tone bender, halfway, yeah. and then you're away. That was, I think that's the only time ever we plugged into a Marshall, like, Spinal Tap, true. up to 11. yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's not really our sound, is it, the Marshall? Um, but, but it needed um, it. You know what? It we did. used it right and we got what we wanted from it. Absolute filth in terms of the guitar tone. Yeah, that's um, it. And the guitar geeks have recognised it. I'm like, oh, is that, that's the Mark Ronson sound. We're like, yeah, and you yeah, can't use it exactly. all the time. You can't. But no, no, absolutely. You take that, you, you know, that You use stems. it in the right places and it's, it's very effective. Very effective. 
But no, I agree. I love, I do love Aladdin Sane because that was that came out yeah. after Ziggy Stardust, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the album after. So Ziggy Stardust came out in, I think, seventy one or nineteen seventy. It was definitely the seventies and not quite seventy two. I think Ziggy Stardust was, was. It? Oh, it was. It was the year after then, which is an insanely high turnover of incredible songs. That's. I always find that the album after the artist's sort of biggest one in that sort of time period mm. normally tends to be a bit more interesting. Yeah, I think agree. I think there's, I mean, as I say, I do love Ziggy Stardust, and it is a fantastic album. But I think this one, he takes that artistic license a bit further on the record, plays it less safe in terms of the music. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think he obviously was out there and artistic, making the performances on tour. The movie um, where he plays Ziggy Stardust is a fantastic piece of art, but I think he makes the glam element of this makes it a, a better record for me. Excellent. But anyway. Enough of that one, because as I say, we all know it. Jordan, your third pick before we move on to our um, greatest hits records. Okay, right. Well, this is kind of quite in line with yours. So mine is also from 1973. Oh, okay. And this is Berlin by Lou Reed. Aha, yes. Yes. Now, so this came out, so this was the album after Transformer that actually David Bowie produced. Yeah, and, and I'll just put it out there. Transformers is a fantastic record, one of my favourites. It is an absolute fantastic record. Now, I mean, I love this album, uh, and you know, going back over to like the, the sort of like the the dark side of the podcast. So, mm. from my understanding, is that Lou Reed he found Transformer to be too successful. Lou Reed has always been the anti-hero. He's been always like oh, sort, absolutely like the Deadpool of. The music <laughs> yeah. industry, you know, he's a bit like that. And pretty much he wanted to destroy everything that he was associated with, with Transformer, you know, like songs like Perfect Day and Satellite Love, which, you know, they sort of yeah. define little moments in our lives. And you know what? He did it with this. He did it with this big time. So, I mean, this album to me, it could be a musical version of Shakespeare's Hamlet. It's a tragedy. <laughs> It really is, you know, and, you know, it's it's the short story of two characters, uh, Jim and Caroline, and there's things like drug addiction and abuse, you know, they're doomed right from the start, but you don't know that straight away, you don't, and, um, you know, there's just a tremendous sense of emotional bleakness going back to the, sort of, you know, you have David Bowie, I'm coming back with Lou Reed's most depressing body of work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's like the the song Berlin. I mean, I'm not anyone who's been to Berlin is going to know exactly what they're what they what is kind of going on about here. But the actual song Berlin goes back to the Velvet Underground days, and they played that live a couple of times. The song itself was recorded on his first solo record, which would have been in 1971-ish, give or take. And then after Transformers, he's like, I need to do something. And then he thought, well, actually, who are these two people in Berlin? Well, they're gone forever. So he thought, well, actually, no, I, I want to revisit them. I want to give them a story. I want to give them a start, a middle, and an end. So and that okay, was yeah. before David Bowie was going back to things like Major Tom. So, yeah, I mean, this is actually quite groundbreaking, uh, especially for like 1973, because it's this quite I quite love about the early 70s, because this sort of hippie dream from the 60s yeah. about... Drugs, peace and love, opening the mind. In the 70s, no, it's drug addiction. Oh, it's that's, that's bleak. Dead, that dream at that point, isn't it? This that is dream. dead, and you're kind of almost seeing sort of like the sort of like the casualties. 
I mean, musically, this is fantastic. Like, Lou Reed only plays acoustic guitar and sings. And Lou Reed, I think, is the most underrated guitarist that there is. And there's going to be a lot of shredders and lots of technical jazz musicians who are going to go, what? Because it's so minimalistic, but it needs to be. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for not overplaying. And um, again, not to upset anyone who's into really heavy metal, shreddy music, but you know, and I appreciate that that's a different type of thing to what it's we do. It's a skill set, yeah. And what, what Lou Reed does, but you know, the much more minimal guitar playing is something that is another skill. It's another. It's another thing. You know, it, it's, it's it's still just as impressive to get it right and play it minimally and get the feeling from very few notes or very few chords. Yeah, that's exactly right. I just. I, this it, it's uh, I've said it so many times. I might need to set up a um, like a swear box that says, "I mean, this album truly is fantastic." I don't want to sound like a, <laughs> a Sunday lunchtime radio local <laughs> presenter, but I mean, I do. I mean, the the song that stands out to me the most on the album is called uh, called "The Kids," and it starts off with like a really sweet acoustic guitar, but you've got these absolutely bitter lyrics, and it's it's the story of um, Caroline. So one of the main characters in mm. the album, she has her kids taken away from her. So uh, okay. I might need to give a trigger warning here. I don't. I'm not even sure. Uh, but being that this is the first one, let's play it safe. This is your trigger warning. This is your trigger warning. Um, so just these. Yeah, it, it's I. It hits way most. Ex- it, you know you don't expect it and it hits you and it's absolutely horrific. So. Like lovely sweet acoustic guitar, you got all this kind of going on, and then bang, um, you know, you've it just suddenly cuts these like kids screaming and crying for their mummy. Now, in the best of times, in a film or you hear it on the street, mm. that gets you. But on a record where you don't expect, it, I mean, it's harrowing. It really is. Um, it's you, th- again. This is going back to what I said earlier. The album is. A dying art form, you know, an album should make you feel yeah. things like in a film where just the scene, you know, you get something visually, you know, people just don't do sort of gimmicks like like that. I'm actually probably not sure people even be able to get away with doing sort of stuff like this now. Apparently, uh, from what I read, the producer for the album, he locked his kids in a cupboard with a microphone so they would <laughs> scream to get the effect. And I'm not <laughs> sure how true that is. <laughs> It's brilliant if it is true. It's also very dark and horrible. But I mean, it's, it's one of those rock and roll stories life. you hope is true, but probably best never to find out. I, I hope it's not. Or there's like there's two stories that he either locked him in the cupboard of a studio and set up a microphone, so they're going, "Mommy," <laughs> and or I think he put them in the control room, and he said, "Kids, it's time for bed," and then they're going, "No." And I'm like, I, I'm hoping that's the true one. That would be the better version, yeah. That would be the better. But we just, you know, you just don't know. But it's, mm. again, for another kind of concept record. Because, you know, the 70s, the 80s, sort of the popular era of the concept record, you know, you think of Dark Side of the Moon. It's all very technical. Mm. It's all very clever. Great. Absolutely love that record. But this, again, it's more about the lyrics. It's more about... Um, the, the emotions and and actually funny enough in 1973 when this was released it was voted the worst record of the year and people were saying Lou Reed is finished oh. and fast forward to now it's yeah. regarded as a modern masterpiece now he's a hero now <clears throat> no he is it's um so yeah I'm not I've kind of gone into this quite a bit maybe more than what I needed to do but I think Lou Reed 
Everyone thinks David no, Bowie, Iggy Pop. Yeah. I think Lou Reed's almost the forgotten one. I think most people probably stop after Transformer, but yeah, mm. Berlin. It's interesting you, get you brought this album up because it's an album I've had on my list of albums to listen to for literally oh. years. Literally years. And now this is the point where I've got to listen to it and I haven't got a choice not to. No, but yeah, haven't. I remember looking it up years ago and thinking, yeah, I'll give this a go. And I sort of never did. And then I, I guess I'll have to now, Jordan. Thank you. Yeah, no, you absolutely will do. But again, just be warned. So probably any sort of recovering addicts or anyone who's had their, lost their children, listen with caution. Hmm. Sensible. So that's our little trigger warning for anyone there listening, if 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 needed. But we'll we'll, it, we'll we'll leave that up to your judgment on whether you think you can handle it. Yeah. Again, I'm a, I'm a fairly mentally sound person, but even that got me. Some would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Many would disagree. Uh, Jordan, Jordan's perfectly normal. Everybody, don't worry about it at all. <laughs> uh, a wobble. With him? Well, on that note, Jordan, shall we move on to our greatest hits then? Yes, we shall. Please take it away. Am I going first? Okay, so this is a band I've definitely mentioned to Steve before, and he agreed he loved them. And I don't think I've ever spoke about them with you, but I've picked Squeeze and their greatest hits, 45s and under. And genuinely, I think Squeeze are one of the best pop bands to have ever existed. I'm just going to say it now, straight off the bat. Okay. Do, yeah. do, you, enjoy, do you enjoy Squeeze, Steve, uh, Jordan? I enjoy a good squeeze. Now, um, <laughs> you know what? This is going to sound really, really bad, but I only know one squeeze song. I've oh, not you? delved into them uh, properly. Jordan, come on, get involved, get some squeeze on you. Well, you know, well, you know what? This is this is why we want to include the segment because I think the best way to get into a new band is to yeah, get agreed. the greatest hits. Agreed. Well, I'll bring this vinyl round for you to borrow then. It's got some absolute classics on it. I'm just going to read them out quickly. So it's got Take Me, I'm Yours, Goodbye Girl, Call for Cats, Up the Junction, Slap and Tickle, Another Lay in My Heart, which I think is their best song, and the guitar rock on that, the solo, is phenomenal. Uh, Pulling Muscles from Michelle, uh, Side 2, Is That Love, Tempted, Labelled with Love, Back Coffee in Bed, and Annie, Get Your Gun. So I believe this only covers a certain portion of their career, because I know they're still doing stuff now. So the last song on here is 1982, but they've done stuff since that. But um, this, for me, was their golden era. And Squeeze is one of those bands that I love, and I love the singles and the hits. And I only, I've listened to a couple of their albums. As albums... <laughs> They don't do it for me. But in terms of a good pop hit and a good pop song, you can't beat a bit of squeeze. The, the songs on this album are brilliant. And uh, Jordan, if you're going to look one up, another, lay, another nail in my heart, brilliant. Definitely like a heartbreak song, but quite, like, as, as you'd expect from squeeze, it's not particularly unhappy sounding. But yeah. um, brilliant song. The guitar work, it's one of my favourite guitar songs of all time. I know I've just said that, but it really is. Uh, I believe it's a different who played the lead guitar in squeeze, but I might be wrong about that. Nails it, nails it. Um, but I think some of their early stuff in the sort of late seventies, early eighties, with like "Take Me, I'm Yours" and "Goodbye Girl," "Call for Cats." Obviously, everyone. I'm assuming that's the one you know, George. That is the one that I know. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, is, uh, is one of my least favourite Squeeze songs in terms of the, their hits. It's good, but you know, it, it, it's brilliant. But they were sort of at that. I just think they're a brilliant pop band. There's not a lot I can say about them, Jordan, other than look them up. Um, and I think "Tempted" and "Labelled with Love" a totally different vibe, much more laid back feel. Tempted is one of my favourites of theirs as well. Labelled with Love has sort of a really ploddy, almost country feel to it, um, in a way. It sort of just rolls along, brilliant lyrics. I do think um, Chris Difford was a fantastic singer as well. I think it was Difford who did the singing, but maybe I'm wrong now on that one, but um, I believe it was. But yeah, brilliant little singles album, 45s and under it's called. I picked it up for apparently £5 on vinyl. 
Um, or it's, I'm calling that a bargain. I think anything um, on vinyl for five quid is a bargain. I mean, bargain. unless it's yeah, S Club it's, 7. Uh, yeah, unless it's S Club 7 or, um, I don't know, I can't think of it, or like Busted or something. But, um, yeah, um, but a fantastic little record. Interestingly, there's a really cool picture on here with them with Blondie, and she's everyone's dream wife, right? So that's a fantastic little little picture on the on the cover of it too, which I really like. Um, but, yeah, just a fantastic record. Everyone should go and get into Squeeze if you're not already. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I will certainly listen to more Squeeze. I know oh, Steve's like Squeeze. Oh, squeeze likes, yeah, because I've mentioned it with Steve before. We were talking about this. I think it was a rehearsal, and I think we were on our way outside, and I think maybe you were already out there. This was probably a year or so more ago I was talking to Steve about it, and I sort of mentioned to Steve we should do something a bit Squeeze-like. Squeezy, yeah. And, um, squeezy, and um, yeah. That's my pick of greatest hits. Fantastic pop band. And as I say, I, I do, I've seen Squeeze live, actually, as well, you know. Oh, have really you? Really good live, yeah. It must have been... Oh, how old am I now? 27. I must have been in my early 20s. I was maybe 22. Maybe it was about your age. And um, saw them at, uh, where did I see them? Shepherd's Bush Empire. Brilliant gig. Brilliant. They, they actually nailed it. I mean, they're obviously not young anymore. Now, I don't know how old they are now, but obviously if they were doing those songs quite young in the late 70s, early 80s, I'm guessing they're probably around, they've got to be at least in their 50s, haven't they? Oh, you must be. Uh, must be. Probably, probably nearing 60 now. Yeah, I, w- I would have guessed near... But being that this was maybe five years ago, maybe you could say they were in their 50s at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put on, honestly, a fantastic gig. If uh, They are still out gigging, I know they are. If you get the chance to go and see Squeeze and you like a bit of Squeeze or they're on a, a festival and you've got 20 minutes to go and see their set or how long they're playing, honestly, they were fantastic live. Because they're pop songs and most people know the words, you get a good little sing-along going. The front man is, is fantastic, gets you involved. And actually did a signing afterwards as well, um, which was really nice. I got to meet them very briefly as well. Um, anyway, cool. check them out. Check them out, everybody. Go for it. Great. Okay. What have you bought for us, Jordan, as your greatest hits compilation this week? Right, mine's really obvious. Really? No, 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 no. Uh, I'm going for the Sound of the Smiths deluxe version. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, it... it it's it's very obvious choice for a compilation, especially when you think of us, you know, obviously we're very sort of Smithsy yeah. sort of influence, and then, you know, we just have the audacity to compare ourselves to Morrissey and Mar on our <laughs> podcast. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> are, are, are we, <laughs> do, do we come across badly when we do that? I really we hope probably. not. We do it in, in an endearing way just to let you know that's what we love. I'm, we don't think we're that good. We're not that good. We never will be. Jack just compares me to Morrissey because I'm miserable. Not because... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not that. because he writes good lyrics or has a really good like um, delivery just because he's a miserable bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly like that. Um, so, you know, Smiths are my f- top five favorite bands ever, uh, and I don't need to explain why all the things are all, all the singles are amazing. Because if you know, I'd just say just get the normal version. You know, I don't need to talk about the charming man. How soon is now? We all love it, and the only reason the people people find Smiths depressing is just because morrissey just says what's true he just unleashes something that's a bit real and you don't like it that's the only reason he's talented he's again he's a bit like shakespeare you know no one's ever said shakespeare's depressing he's like oh my god he's a wordsmith of such tragedy that's what morrissey is right but enough of that the deluxe edition because not only do you get these fantastic singles you get tracks like rubber ring girl afraid please 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 let me get what i want asleep these things take time these were b-sides 
The yeah, Smiths. they did have fantastic B-sides. They were, in some cases, the B-sides bettered the A-sides. Now, there's not many bands who've done that, you know, apart from in the 60s where the singles were everything. <clears throat> and Oasis, they've always had quite good B-sides. Suede, I, I can't think yeah. of many other bands who take that much effort into the singles where it's a case of, well, we're not just going to give you one song, we need to give you three... Like, they always had three B-sides. Um, so, no, not three B-sides. One A-side, two B-sides. That's right, yeah. And, you know, and... Uh, what I think, what, they formed, like, 1982 to and then split in 1987. Five years. Like uh, if those singles were an album, oh, my God. So, that's it. Sound of the Smiths Deluxe. That's what you want. Mm. It's not. It's not. It's not one of theirs. I have actually. I do have a couple of. I think I've got two Smiths greatest hits, but that one I don't have with the deluxe stuff on. So I might be able to look for that. That's what you want. So yeah, go and get that. Okay, so that rounds up the the compilation recommendation. Uh, so now, what we want to talk about is something new. So you've had something old, something borrowed. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow that Squeeze album off of you. Uh. And you can yeah, borrow my copy go. of Berlin. That's all borrowed. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's time for something new. So uh, you are now ready for the uh, the journey of marriage to music. Is that what they do? <laughs> That's what they need at a wedding, is it? Something old, something borrowed, something new, something blue. I don't no, know. No. Oh, I don't think there's a new. I think it's something old, something borrowed, and something blue. I don't is think it blue? something new. Well, you don't need anything new. You've already you're going to have a wife, and she's meant to be. Uh, yeah, I think it's just blue. Is the last one. Is it? Oh, okay. Right, okay. Well, so this is something blue. <laughs> so yeah, this is something back to dark side of the podcast with Jordan Yeah, go Jones. on. You, go, you kick us off with this one and uh, what's your new recommendation for an upcoming band? Okay, well, it's actually not a band. So this is... Well, sorry, I should have said artist more than band. Ar- artists, was... yeah. Artists. Uh, they're, they're all going to be artists more than bands further down the line, I suppose, yeah. with everything, you know. Yeah, absolutely right. So... The track that I would like to recommend, so it's a single. So this is Today by uh, Amy Stephen. Uh, for a up-and-coming act, I cannot recommend this artist highly enough. So Amy, so she's from Liverpool. And that right there says enough, really, because anything out of Liverpool is amazing. I can't think of anything bad from Liverpool at all. Now, we're not here to talk about Everton or Liverpool <laughs> or Jurgen Klopp. Or of the other is German, you know. Musically speaking, I think there's only one song I don't like out of Liverpool, and it's not "You'll Never Walk Alone." I'm not going to say what it is because we have got no. some uh, older. I'll fans. ask you. I'll ask you off the podcast. Then, I'll ask I'm you off the podcast because we've got some older fans who were there in sort of the '90s sort of rave scene, and it's much. I'm not going to go into it because I've probably given it away already. No, let's move on. Let's move on from that. Let's quickly, quickly skip past that bit, Jordan. So yeah, what, tell, Liverpool. Tell us more about this incredible artist you've dug out for us, though. Okay, well, uh, I've been really interested in uh, what she's been releasing over like the last year or two. Uh, anyway, it's really organic. Like, the guitars aren't over-processed. Like, if I said to you, Telecaster, probably no pedals, Vox amp, mm. bit of tremolo, bit of reverb, that's the sort of sound that we're going That's a thing of beauty, that. You know, that, that's, you know, that's, like, the vocals, there's just so much air to them. You know, nothing's squashed, nothing's compressed. Like, the songs are breathing. So it's kind of like, I'm not sure who her producer is or who she's worked with, but whoever, they've really got, hmm. it's a case of, like, capturing her, her voice, her guitar, and 
you know, and not squashing it, turning it into something like Radio 1 would do. Uh, the vibe I've gotten from her music is I'm kind of getting... It's, it's going to sound like a really lazy comparison because any girl with a guitar, they always get compared to <laughs> Joni Mitchell, for example. But I'm True. saying Joni Mitchell because, you know... You, we, it may be cliche, but Joni Mitchell is a god. Yes, exactly right. So you know, getting... it, it doesn't matter how cliche it is; it's it's it's, it's only meant as a compliment. Exactly. I mean, ever. Like this in the sort of the, the the melodies and the vocals, and again in the sort of the performance. I'm also getting sort of stuff like you know, like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, but on the sort of the flip side of that, you know uh, that compilation. What is it? Uh, Golden Nuggets. Like a, it's like a collection of '60s freak beats. Yes. Garage rock. So you're kind of getting that garage rock, not quite psychedelic, but it's a bit, you know, it's a bit more sort of interesting and sort of stuff like the Lars and the Coral. So I, I call oh, it okay, Scouse cool. Pop because you can't define Scouse Pop, but we all know what Scouse Pop is. That's true. It's, it's not different. an official thing, I guess, but it's it's a thing. And I think, well, when uh, Liverpool declare themselves as an independent state, it will be a recognised <laughs> thing, you know. Uh, yeah. You know... I find Scousers, they always write the most amazing melodies. And, you know, I would genuinely put her work up there with the likes of, like, Lee Mavers from The Lars. Oh, okay, yeah. And Interesting. That's what I do. I like that. Uh, yeah, I think it, the song itself, like, today, so that's her most recent release. I think it pro I'm not sure exactly when it came out. It's fairly recently, so it's this year. Um I mean, it's just such a beautiful song. And it starts with the opening lyrics like, if tomorrow never comes, we will always have today. And I think, especially with everything kind of going on now in the world, that sort of, I find that quite comforting. It's a bit like, mm. I, you right, know, like yeah. Kate Bush, Peter Gabriel, Don't Give Up, where Kate Bush's voice, where she's saying, don't give up, it sort of comforts you. I'm yeah. getting that sort of comfort. Now, it, it's probably a... Um, a love, I'm assuming it's like a love song written to, uh, to someone. But I think with just everything kind of going on, I think it's more of a, a song for the it people. It goes beyond that now. Yeah, I, I you know, I just, I, I, I can't just describe how amazing this song is. Just listen to it. It makes you feel such, okay, right, everything's a bit shit right now, but actually I really need to be hearing this. This is doing more for me than... Then, so then, sort of anything. So, anyone who's struggling with lockdown, you know, you kind of want this. And oh, I don't know. Like, musically speaking, as well, like, you've got a pre-chorus, and it's ultimate macca, is what I'd say. You know, like, just everything's on like the dum 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 dum. I, you know, I love sort of stuff like that. And so, like, build up a, a pre-chorus, and then you get the chorus. Now, um, which just it hails into just such beautiful production. So you've got stuff on there like Mellotrons and sort of stuff. It's almost probably a bit Echo and the Bunny Men-esque. You know, Ooh, like that's a, quite a cool vibe, though. An upbeat Echo and the Bunny Men is what I, what I kind of think. It's just, the product, it's just everything you need in a song. Great lyrics, a great melody. Nothing's outstanding. It's welcome. Nothing's crowded in the mix. There's so much air to it. And, you know... I mean, that's always it. And I always say the key to any great record is a Mellotron. And Steve uh, uh, will me up in that. Anyone that's listening to the keyboard will know we're big fans of the Mellotron. Uh, uh, exactly. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a bigger fan of the Mellotron than yourself and Steve. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, we, we you know, we're keeping Mellotron in business. <laughs> <Essentially>. <laughs> um, but um, also, I love the video. 
for this. Um, so Liverpool is my favourite place in the planet. Um, that's a very bold statement to say. But I, that was I a actually, very bold statement. You know, I, I love Liverpool. It's my happy place. And like the video, so you're kind of getting just her performing on her own in a, a place that looks similar to the Cavern Club. So you are getting the Beatles sort of reference. I mean, how can you not? I think if you're from Liverpool and you're not... If you're not... from Liverpool, you have to. Like, it's one of those things, isn't it? Exactly right. And that's kind of great. So, you know, it's an empty club. Now, pre-2020, that wouldn't be... Uh, that, that wouldn't sort of have, mm. like, a sort of a visual meaning. I think today, and then especially with the, the lyrics kind of going on, get that. But then with the music video, and I don't know who produced this. I don't know who filmed it. It cuts to scenes of Liverpool and it looks like it's abandoned. It looks like everyone's just disappeared. Uh, like, you know, it's like the hardcore. And obviously they have done, because we're all locked indoors. Uh, essentially, you know, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. But you've got a great song, you've got a great melody, you've got great lyrics, you've got great production, and you've got a great video that, I mean, at least to me, as I said, I find this quite comforting in um, lockdown. And I, I'm almost quite grateful for the, the second lockdown because I can properly enjoy this track more. But... And it's it's a development from a earlier sort of stuff. A, a earlier sort of stuff is you know you probably similar to of um, Foxborough Hot Tubs. Oh, okay, that's cool. So that's really cool. You know, great sense of melody. So that's it. So I'd say if you've not listened to Amy Stephen from Liverpool, have a listen to today, and then I urge you to dive into her other releases, and you will not be disappointed. Well, we'll absolutely be tagging her and posting some of her bits now in the um, comments or whatever we have for wherever we post this podcast, wouldn't we? We'll absolutely be shouting out the new artists we give a shout to every week and linking Spotify's, Facebooks and stuff and tagging them in posts and make sure that you go and check these people out because more than checking out these old records we've mentioned with the likes of Bowie and Lou Reed, you should be checking out the new music as well. Exactly. That, that's the point of this as well because... You know, we can't gig, so if we can help uh, either boost some online traffic for everyone, then that's that's what we want to be doing. We don't just want to be kind of going on about, oh, no one's quite as good as Sinatra these days. <laughs> During the war, you know, we don't want During any of that. During the pandemic. <laughs> oh, God, that's going to be us. Oh, God, yeah. we're going to be on Clover. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. Dis- oh, disaster struck the podcast already. Oh, God. During the podcast. <laughs> a German U-boat. We sunk a German U-boat on the podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, so brilliant. that's that's my new release um, to check out. So, Jack, what would you like to uh, recommend to everyone at home? So my shout out for recommendation this week is a band called Drool. And now we have a little bit of a connection to Drool here, Jordan, in that our former bass player Charlie has recently joined this band, Drool. Um, They're based out of sort of the North London area. Um, Hi, Charlie, by the way, if you're listening. Um, We miss you, but um, glad you found yourself a new project. Um, Anyway, so I've checked them out. Uh, I checked them out early in the summer. I believe Charlie um, had posted something about them before. And they released this song called Playground Wars in, I believe it was June this year in the summer. And it's a fantastic little tune. Um, very much of the modern, more modern indie sort of grungy, punky sound maybe to it. Maybe grungy is a bit harsh on them. Uh, starts off with a lovely jangly piece of guitar, a Johnny Marr sounding tone to it, which I think is Ooh. really, really fantastic. Really quite cool. It's got, um, yeah, it's got um, the singer, and I, I don't know the names of any of the, the guys in the band at the moment. I'm really sorry, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but really, you've got a really cool modern garage indie delivery to it as well. Very sort of, 
um, quite a, oh, I don't know how to describe it. But yeah, just a really cool delivery on the vocals for it. A really catchy chorus in the song too. Um, the guitar work over the song is brilliant all the way throughout. There's a cool break at the start of the second verse where there's just almost a bit of feedback and it's sort of carried by bass and drums and the vocals for a moment. And then it just kicks in again. It's quite uh, a fast, not fast paced, but more in your face type thing than some of the music we've talked about today where we've talked about sort of Squeeze being a pop band and we mentioned Lou Reed on the artistic side. This is much more the... Um, the, the catchy rock and roll alternative thing that's going around today. Fantastic little band. Great to see our boy Charlie out there doing stuff as well. He's not actually on this song, but him, he's I've spoken to him recently. He's going to be on future releases. They're absolutely a band on the rise to go and check out. And I haven't got a lot more to say about them. Jordan, you've, you've spoken about Amy for ages, and I feel like I'm letting Jordan down a bit here. But a fantastic band. Well worth checking out. And their other stuff on the Spotify is fantastic too. They've put out an EP, I believe, called the Junkyard EP as well, which came out even more recently which has got some fantastic songs on. Oh, excellent. Right, I'll certainly have to check out Jewel because um, it's, I'm assuming Charlie's on bass. Charlie is, I believe, on bass, yes. Well, that's good yes. because yeah, I always, I've always it, held it, Charlie in quite high regards as a bassist. So Me too, Charlie. Charlie was excellent. But yeah, we'll link them as well as Amy in the links, comments. I don't know where we're posting this yet, Jordan. We haven't got that far in my, in my discussion with you about it. We will absolutely be posting links to both these artists, to Spotify's, Facebook's, Instagram's. Uh, maybe more maybe yeah. more social medias just so you can all check them out worth worth having a look we're recommending these because we think they're brilliant and worth having a look at so i want to give everyone listening the tools for that and i guess will we make um a playlist with all the songs we've got in for today as well including these guys we yeah no we will indeed i think probably what we'll something like that we'll, we'll have one for you know uh the the record podcast and we'll just have a separate one as well for the upcoming acts upcoming where we can nice. put a couple of tracks on there as well Absolutely. Because in the modern world, where obviously where gigs are not a thing, but uh, mm. Spotify playlists are, I think the more that we can kind of do to help, um, then I think we we certainly will. So yeah, there'll be plenty of things. I must admit, we haven't really thought this far ahead. It's going up. So we're so we've recorded today on the Tuesday. Uh, it's going to go up tomorrow, which is Wednesday, which probably means it will be up on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. So whatever. Uh, so what whatever day it is. Um, you know, it might not even be 2020 anymore. We don't know. So, um, <laughs> but this, it's going to be up. So um, I am aiming to get this up tomorrow, which is Wednesday, which will be the 18th, 18th. of, 18th of November, five weeks till Christmas. I just wanted to drop oh, that in there. So, yeah, that's Jesus. So that yep. is our first podcast. That's our first one. Congratulations. Thank you, Jordan. I've enjoyed this. Hope you have too. I have indeed. And I'm looking forward to next week's show. Yeah, let's do another one next week, and we hope everyone listening has enjoyed this too and checks out what we've recommended this week. Yeah, and also on a side note, because Steve will kill me if I don't mention, Deadly Penny, out now. Yeah, Stream yeah. it. It's a banger. Cool. Right, thank you all for listening. Stay safe. God bless. <laughs>